Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. We mourn, we, we mourn the broken things. Chair legs wrenched from their seats, chipped plates, the threadbare clothes. We work the magic of glue, drive the nails, mend the holes. We save what we can, melt small pieces of soap, gather fallen pecans, keep neck bones for soup. Beating rugs against the house, we watch dust lit like stars spreading across the yard. Late afternoon, we draw the blinds to cool the rooms, drive the bugs out. My mother irons, singing, lost in reverie. I mark the pages of a mail-order catalogue, listen for passing cars. All day we watch for the mail, some news from a distant place. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, your cheeky little cashew nut. My name's Owen, and those opening lines were a poem called Housekeeping by Natalie Tretherway. You can mute us on Twitter at Cop On Podcast. You can send photographic proof of your piercings to coponpodcast at gmail.com. You could support us for as little as one US dollar per month via patreon.com forward slash Podcast, or you can embroider cop on onto your nearest child's winter jacket. It all helps me hearties. It all helps. But so does just listening. So thank you from the very depths of my cockles of the heartstrings for doing that. Without any further ado, then, let's do to this episode what any spoon-wielder would do to a sticky toffee pudding and dive right in. Enjoy! I'm here with Brian. Brian, um, the, the final whistle went about an hour ago on Brighton and Hove Albion 1, Liverpool 1. Um... I don't know what words you can use to describe it, but, you know, the one word I would use begins with an F. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, well, listen, Owen, I've, I've rushed from the curry house uh, to, to, to get home to record this podcast. And um, I'm feeling just kind of meh, like M-E-H, just... Unfortunately, I, I I was with my buddy and we were watching it and we were a room full of people and everybody was fucked off about decisions, excuse my language. Um, but it was the worst kind of decisions because forensically you could see why maybe they were given. We would want, them, we'd all want them not to be given, but you could, you could, if you really kind of suspended your emotion chip for a second, you could see why they were given. So I don't know. I felt like my overall feeling about that game was we 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 didn't. It's Brighton. We shouldn't have really left it up to a dodgy penalty decision at the end of the game. We should have just dominated them, and, and I don't think we did. So I'm kind of ha- like I I've suspended all uh, expectation on this season already. I'll be happy if we get to the end and we win the Premiership again. Everything we have, no matter what happens until that point, I'm okay to accept. As long as we have more points than everybody else at the end of the game. Yeah, at the end of the season. Season, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah well, yeah. But, you know, I mean, you're right to put it into perspective and, and, and the performance we're going to talk about soon, because it was generally, yes, you're absolutely right to say, it was absolutely dire, really. Um XG for the last match against Atalanta was an all-time record low under Klopp. It was 0.22 in our midweek loss against Atalanta, which we may or may not talk about later. Um, but today, 0.28 XG for us and 2.31 XG to Brighton. But I think I know why you've sort of given up on this season for now. Um, like... 
our lineup today, we had no Matip, no Mane, um, no Hendo on top of uh, no VVD, Trent or Gomez. Um, so that's seven players, that's six starters and one world-class centre-back substitute, OK? And I've been doing my, you know, bit of research after the final whistle because I've been, I think this team could be one of the best teams ever. I honestly think so. One of the best teams ever in any, in any era. But if you imagine Barcelona in 2009 without Piquet, Puyol, Caceres, who was their reserve defender, Yaya Torre, Busquets, Xavi Hernandez or Samuel Eto'o. Or if you imagine 1991 Milan without Costa Curta, Baresi, Maldini, Tassotti, Rijkaard, Albertini, Hulit and Van Basten. Or if you imagine 1978 Liverpool without Phil Neal, Alan Hansen, Phil Thompson, Emlyn Hughes, Delglish, Souness or McDermott then you get some idea as to the injury crisis we're currently facing. I mean, of course, you know, some people will be scoffing, you know, that that uh, I'm comparing this Liverpool team to those three all-time greats, but even the all-time greats would would struggle, and maybe they'd even struggle to beat a Brighton side. So, I mean, is it ultimately when the emotion of being robbed at the last minute by a, a penalty that I said on the blood red review that I've just recorded was so soft it could have landed snugly on a petal <laughs> um, um, would you know do you think ultimately it's a point gained in the bigger picture I, I yeah I do and and I think uh, you're you're completely right obviously you're right. Because, look, it is what it is, right? We have to just deal what we're dealing with. Uh, you, you can't look. You can't expect Nico Williams to perform like Trent Alexander. You know, it's like it's just not going to happen. He is who he is. You can't just put a like I don't know. If you play FIFA or whatever, and you put a player who's like ninety-two in right back, and then you put another player in who's like. 65 you're going to see it in the way the game plays out and not to kind of trivialize the real game to a to a computer game but it's a good analogy it it, it you know he he can't do what the the senior players do not to, not to think like nico i'm not saying that nico is a fault at all or whatever but um the bigger picture is you know we find ourselves where we find ourselves and and where we are right now is you know, we having we're going through the worst injury crisis in living memory, <laughs> and a lot of it's got to do with the current situation, with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And and you know what people don't not people what people are not taking into account. One of the reasons why Liverpool is so successful and they're the most difficult team to play against on the planet right now is we are a pressing machine. We are a dominant football team. We own the ball. It's our ball. It doesn't matter if it's home or away. We dominate every team we play against. Even if it's Barcelona, we never sit back and just let them have it. Or even if we do, it's on a very rare occasion. It's part of our DNA. It, it, Klopp's whole philosophy is like teams do not want to play against us. We have to make it really, really horrible to play against us. And we can't do that right now because we don't have the players. We don't have the fitness and it's affecting us. I'd say more than other teams because that's how we play. We play with high intensity. We play with high energy and we're seeing our, our, all our, all our players are dropping like flies um, but I'm okay with it. It's okay because, you know, to be honest with you, the overall play is pretty good. I, I still think we haven't had a, a – I can't remember. When, the last time we had a good, decent, strong team out was when Thiago got absolutely crippled and, and Verge in Everton, right? But ever since then, it's always been makeshift teams and we're still top of the league or, you know, thereabouts. So, you know. It's true. I mean, you, we are still top of the. It's it's a heck of a it's a heck of a softener uh, to you know to to the blow. I mean, it's 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 really nice to be up there. Um, we do have some football to talk about, but uh, before I do that, I want to talk about Jurgen Klopp and his face in that match uh, because it was it painted um, 
it wasn't it didn't just paint a picture it sort of built a 3d hologram of uh, pretty much everything that's going wrong at the moment didn't it yeah i mean look Jurgen Klopp is everything I love about football. Like honestly, I think I've said this before. If I can invent a manager in a simulator, he'd be the guy. He, uh, he, he just cares so much, and um, and it's the only way you become champions. It's the only way you get to the top. Is if you care about every inch of the grass, every little piece of performance, and it, it, it's just hard at the at the moment. You know, I just think it's. You know, we're so, I, I think we're in such a privileged position. We've just been, um, uh, been so used to having like 70% possession every single game, no matter who we play against. We're so used to seeing controlling football where moments of magic unlock every team that we ever play against. We're all very confident fans. We're not used to the situation that we find ourselves in now where we're playing against Brighton and we're, you know, we're back in the bread and the Rogers days or whatever, not to go bad on B-Dog, but, you know, but this is football. This is the reality of football. Football is not just one big march to the title, every trophy, you know, I mean, Jurgen Klopp has managed to make it feel like that in the past two or three seasons. Like since he's come to Liverpool, there's not been a single season where we haven't gone to a final you know, we've been in European finals, FA Cup finals, we've won leagues, we've won the European Cup. We've just we've just been spoiled by success, and you know, I still think we're going to win a lot of stuff this year, including the Premiership. But we just got to just take it easy a little bit. We're going to have days like this, and we're, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough the entire season. There's not going to be a single part of the season where we start to hit our stride and go, yeah, we, we're just going to turn up and roll teams over. It's going to be hard all the way through. And we just got to give the team a bit of grace. Give, you know, they've earned it. They've they've earned it. They've all earned every. They've earned a little bit of respect, a little bit of patience, and it's it's hard for them at the moment. That's beautifully said. That's beautifully said. Um, uh, you know, you you've mentioned that you've just come back from the curry house. I want some of that curry because it sort of put you in a very sort of zen frame of mind which is very very good because i i feel that you know like a sort of you know i've I've just vomited and there's that bile acid taste in the back of my mouth i still feel a bit like that after that match and it probably won't won't subside until at least the end of my cup of tea um but um yes uh the football itself when it when we but sorry no what, what you were saying about about you know, Klopp and, and, and spoiling us. We have been completely spoiled since he came in. You're absolutely right. We've been, we've been, you know, it's it's been five years of progression. And that's the only thing I look for at the start of any season is progression. Um, and then it got to the point where we, you know, where we managed 99 points last season, which is fucking nuts. And up from 97 points the season before. Um it's crazy loony bin stuff. And so this is going to be the season when... This is going to be the season when it's the regression. It's this season. We're going to regress. And there are tons of extenuating circumstances for it. Mainly the injuries and the COVID and the stupid fixture list. You're right, Brian. We're going to have to get used to it. We're going to have to suck it up. And we're going to have to keep supporting them and keep believing that at the end of the season... Uh, we're still going to, you know, lift that beautiful lion-clad trophy. Yes, we are. We really are. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan who really got into football in the 90s, unfortunately for, for me, being a Liverpool fan. So I really quite got into Liverpool around the time of the Spice Boys. So even though, you know, I've had a lot of fun following Liverpool, and been to European finals and won European finals and won FA Cups, but we were always, in terms of the league, always there or thereabouts, never quite there. And I, one of my best friends was a United fan, and I could, you know, I could never really get into his mentality of like, you know, winning's everything, second is nothing, and all of that stuff. But now I get it. Now that we are that team, I understand it. We, we, you know, it's like we understand, we know we've been through 20 years of pain. We know what it takes to win a league. We know what it takes to win a European cup. And, but one thing that we shouldn't 
fall into the trap of we shouldn't fall into the trap of those United fans who are in the nineties who are just used to winning everything and just demand, you know, just got were petulant when their team didn't turn up and whatever. And I, and I, you know, I think, you know, we run the risk of being a little bit like that this particular season. If there was ever a season to just give these players a bit of space and give this beautiful man, this man, this God of a manager, a little bit of grace, this is the season. And, you know, there's going to be times, there's going to be games where, yes, we should have won the game. Yes, all the things. It's not Jurgen Klopp's fault that fucking VAR lined up that, you know, a toe or um, some idiot in the in the box, you know, uh, saw that as a penalty. They just got to deal with it. And uh, it, it is what it is. But I just think in the overall run of the scheme of things, we have more about us as a like if we are finding it difficult then every other club is going to find it difficult and we have the best team and the so you see team not the team on the on the pitch but i think the team off the pitch and the team around the club and the club and everything about and the fan we're all we're all united in this push and if anybody can get through this difficult period of time it's us you know so so I've, I've been to the curry house, so I'm ranting a little bit. <laughs> no, this is very good. I mean, was it a gel frazy? I didn't have a gel frazy. We we went, uh, we decided for posh kebabs in the end. So we went, wow. we went, we went chicken tikka, lamb chops and naans. And we thought we're just going to have posh kebabs. So. Oh, uh, n- no wonder everything's all right then. Um yeah, no, uh, great, no, great stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, in France here, we, we, we've just been allowed, we've been in lockdown since the 26th of October or something, and uh, now it's the 28th of November. Jeez, how'd that happen? And, um, it, uh, yeah, we, uh, we're allowed out more than one kilometre, uh, you know, in more than, longer than one kilometre radius from our place, but unfortunately there are no good curry houses around here, so I don't know, I think maybe all this is over, I'm just going to move to Hong Kong, uh, get some posh sandwiches and feel better, because I'm still really angry, but more at the performance, I guess, you know, 2.31 XG to Brighton, they had 11 shots, Uh, we had six, they had only three on target, we had two on target, but of course... They missed a penalty as well. I mean, if uh, I'm looking at understat, um, they've got the, the the places where they had a shot. So they scored a penalty. They missed a penalty. But apart from that, they had two shots on the edge of the six-yard box. They had three shots from inside the 18-yard box. And they had uh, four shots, something like that, uh, from outside the area. But one of them very central, so it's quite a good chance. Um on another day, we would have definitely lost that match. I thought in the first half, um, Colin Connolly uh, was clean through and he missed. And then Connolly was brought down by Nico Williams. And then uh, the, the, the penalty was missed. And then Mopé came off injured. All three of those things were, you know, incredible luck to me. Klopp was screaming blue murder at pretty much everyone who wasn't, you know, was in his vicinity. Um, Alisson slipped on 32 minutes. I don't know if you remember that, but then, you know, luckily got away with it. And the defensive line, it wasn't so much a line as um, a sort of L-shape back four. So it's not really a back four. I don't know what it was. It was sort of, they were playing Tetris or something. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, But of course it's difficult because they'd never played together before but uh, that first half performance was pretty bad and then Mo Salah was offside according to VAR Um, but what summed up the first half for me was there was a picture of Jordan Henderson looking absolutely flummoxed on 44 minutes and you know he looked like you know, the weird kid in school had just told him that, you know, the weird kid was going to go off and, you know, piss in the goldfish bowl. And Henderson was just sort of staring at him going, did I just hear that? You know, it was that kind of face, Brian, on that kind of performance. In the first half, we could have been a lot better. And we'll talk about the second half soon. 
Yeah, no, I, I look, I agree. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I said, okay, I've mentioned my friend Carl many times in this podcast. He's a very negative man. <laughs> I love him dearly. But, you know, right, we were we were stuck in traffic to get to the game. Like, there's never, there's never traffic in Hong Kong. But tonight there was traffic. And uh, there was a, some, yeah, we were stuck in traffic for a half an hour. And the one time we go to a curry house to watch the game, it took us ages to get there. And all the way there, he was like, I've got a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about this. And then the game kicked off and then the bad feeling just carried on <laughs> consistently, you know, when he saw the performance. And um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, not to sound like a, a Buddhist monk or anything, but I just feel blessed to be looking at football right now, you know, because I love football. I really do. It's a huge part of my life. And for for me to be able to watch it uh, every weekend or like now, because we're in Europe every every three nights, practically, it's just a joy. And, um, you know, it's I mean, it's part of the game. It's part of the romance of football. You know, it's like you know brighten away occasionally you know sometimes brighton's gonna beat us you know i mean i personally thought i'm a bit like you i thought it was a point gained i really did because i didn't think your performance you know we didn't deserve three points at that game for me because i think we should just be putting that that shit team to us to the sword right that brighton didn't deserve okay brighton didn't necessarily deserve the point or they didn't deserve three points but we're liverpool we should just roll over them I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, you know, it's like, it's very bractocious, but we know we have the players to do that. And, you know, I think the re- a lot, the reason for our success, success, in my opinion, anyway, over, many times over the past three years is we just control games. We press the life out of teams, we control the ball. And some of the reasons why we're not missing Verge too much is because teams don't normally get near our centre-backs because normally we have the ball. And they're sitting deep and they're just dealing with shit for, for like 60 minutes. And and after 60 minutes, all, all hell breaks loose because they realize they're either losing and they have to go for it or whatever. And um, in recent games anyway, it just doesn't like I mean the European game was an absolute disaster. I mean, I just knew that was a disaster. Like 15 minutes of that game, I think, well, we're not going to get anything out of this. this it's obvious. Um, tonight's game, I thought, I, I tried the whole game. I, I, I said, we're, we're winning this game. We're definitely going to win this game because it doesn't matter. They, they may score, but we will score more than them. And ultimately, you know, I think on the scheme, biggest scheme of things, we were robbed, definitely, obviously. But to the letter of the law, you know, the goal was offside and he did kick the guy's foot, right? You know, it shouldn't be given, but you know, some arsehole could give that. And unfortunately for us, he did. And that seems to be um, our story of the season so far. You know, every 50-50 decision that, that that could go our way is not going our way up until this point. But we are still top of the league. And I think the mark of champions are, you know, you just find a way to win. Because every game there will be something, whether it's a game or it's part of the season, where something will happen that just, it's just so unfair. That that should not happen to you. And teams that don't win trophies just go, fuck this, this is is not fair. We should, that shouldn't have happened. But champions just, they find a way to get get through it because life's not fair. (laughs) The league's not fair. Shit happens. And you just got to get on with it. Nobody cares. You just got to just got to win. You got to get more points than all the other teams. Well, yes, and in a normal season, I would I would I would heartily heartily agree with you. But this season, I do think that um, you know it's uh, it's a particular case because I don't remember anybody having this this kind of injury crisis. I really don't. I really don't. I really don't. In the second half, a, a few things to talk about, really. I mean, firstly, Jota's goal. I mean, his hips are snake-like. He was, you know, jiggling and, uh, you know, running around. I didn't know which way he was going, but I knew the ball was going to go in the net at the end of that move. He's He's got this way of, of you know, wiggling through um, like a maggot. In, in in you know in ah oh, I've got a long story about maggots but I've got a lot of basically um, I've got a lot of a lot of respect for them oh Brian you you want to hear it well basically 
No, I can't. It's too long. It'll take the rest of the podcast. But basically, I respect maggots and their ability to claim through, eat through, wriggle through, even where there isn't even any gap. It, they are unbelievable at that. And so is Diogo Jota. Uh, it was t- a terrific goal, Brian. Yeah, just like maggots. It's reminding me of the, the lotus flower in Buddhism. The lotus flower has to wiggle through the mud go through and eventually it flowers into a beautiful thing like a just a goal (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i look i was listening i was listening to that body of flesh called richard keys earlier on the week i was like ah hang on you don't immediately switch him off that hairy-handed buffoon I do, I do not listen to him, honest to God, but I don't know. He turned up on my YouTube feed for some reason, and I just clicked play. It was some kind of clickbait title, and I fell for it. And I went, and oh, every, as soon as he opened his mouth, I realized, oh, I hate this man with every fiber of my being. And then he said, he said, he said this thing. He said, oh, oh, Jota, now Jota scored four and four, and I don't think any Liverpool fan ever thought that he would do this when he signed. I was like, no, yeah, I did. He was one of the best signings in living memory. It was right up there with Allison and Virgil van Dijk. Because when he signed, cause first of all, I didn't see it. No, I don't think anybody saw it coming. And when it came true, I woke up one Sunday morning, I think it was, and I, I checked my phone immediately before, you know, saying hello to my kids or my wife. I would immediately go to my phone just to check the football news. And sure enough, there was Jota has signed for Liverpool. I was like, yes, he is exactly the player that we need or we need to sign because he is he has the potential to be Mo Salah. He's got the potential to be Mane, whatever, but he's not quite there yet. He's exactly like Mane when he signed for us. Mane was not a global superstar. He was playing for Southampton. You know, he was good and sometimes he wasn't good and. You know, and people, and also, I think Mo Salah, to a certain extent, was a bit like that as well. You know, he was like, he was, yeah, he was okay, he was great. He had a good one, good season in Italy, and um, and then and then and then he signed, and then he's played, and it's like, oh, it's perfect. Everything has just gone perfectly for him, and he is the perfect player. He really is, and he and he's exactly the player we need right now. He's exactly the player that all those three players, Bobby, Mo. And uh, Mane, they they also need him. They need somebody breathing down their necks because, you know, you you go too many years with no competition, you just start to slack off, you know. But now they have a peer amongst them. And, ah, he's great. And you can tell he's hungry as well. And when he he got that ball, he he didn't shoot the first time, not the second time, and the third time, bang, rolled it into the bottom corner. Beautiful. It was absolutely superb. And you mentioned Sadio Mane there. Um, one thing I do want to bring up with you here is is that on the 64th minute, Sadio came on, but he took Mo Salah off. And you think a couple of things. I want to say a couple of things about it. Firstly, um, in the 83rd minute, Mane scored with his head and then it was ruled out rightly for VAR and that's when VAR is good I can admit it because the linesman might not have been able to see it or the assistant referee might not have been able to flag um, in real time because it moves so quickly Uh, but you can see with a replay that it was offside fair enough good that's what VAR is for fine but if Manny had just held back literally you know six inches um, he could have scored um, and we would be saying, you know, no problem. We wouldn't be talking about it. If um, Robbo's, you know, attempt at the ball that, you know, accidentally, you know, he did kick him in the area. As you said, Brian, it could have been given as a penalty. It was given as a penalty. And although it's soft, OK, it's a penalty. But then they equalise in injury time. And had they not equalised, we, I wouldn't be asking you this question probably. But... They did equalise and Mane was offside. And so, in retrospect, Salah was so pissed off as well when he came off, obviously. But when you're not creating something, you're you're better off taking off someone like Bobby or Tacky uh, and leaving Mo Salah on the pitch. I think that's something that Klopp got wrong. And I don't like to criticise him because I love the man. But nobody is perfect, 
And I would say that he got that decision wrong. But then, on the other hand, of course, had Mo Salah stayed on, he'd done a lot of sprinting in the matches, I'd noticed, with sprints in behind and stuff. Maybe he was risking an injury or something. So, I don't know, Brian. Um, would you criticise Klopp for, for taking off Mo? Yeah, no, I would. You know, he's he's not above criticism. He made, you know, he, he probably did make the wrong decision. And it's okay. He's not perfect. He, he He's not a perfect success winning machine. He's not going to do everything right every single time. And again, it goes back to, you know, we were saying earlier on, it's like, we're just so lucky. We're so used to success. We're so, success with flair, success with dominance, success with power you know, and a powerful manager and just everything. We're really just spoilt at the moment. You know, every single football fan, definitely every fan in England anyway, wants to be us right now. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that perhaps, you know, Bobby is in, in a, he's gone through a precarious uh, period of time and you know he's just about got himself back in, you know he scored a goal recently and he's getting his, getting his legs back and maybe that might have been going through his mind and then Mo was really pissed off when he took but that's exactly what you want to see you, you, you don't want a player being taken off at 60 minutes and going yeah it's okay you know he's fucked off and he's so, so he should be he, nobody wants to be he, he, he shouldn't be happy about being pulled. He's not injured, and and the manager's putting somebody else on. So I don't know. I mean, he he um he he made a call, and it didn't work. But I just don't think that was the problem. For me, and you know, it's just my opinion. I just think we should be dominating a team like Brighton. You know, that shouldn't be that close. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be down to. Uh, okay, look, we had a a, a number of of unlucky calls throughout the game and that could have gone either way but I don't think those calls do go either way in this current day and age I think what happens is the VAR gets pulled up and they have a look at it and that goal is offside and I would argue that more times than not that is a penalty it shouldn't be a penalty but the reality is I've speaking to a few people in the curry house about this because it caused a lot of debate in the curry house <laughs> um, is um, uh, the problem's not the technology the problem's the referees the referees are bad referees they are the ultimately they're the people that are making the decision and so that will be given as a penalty in England more times than not in Europe that will probably be swatted away and go no it's not a penalty play on or carry on so I don't know. Yeah, he, he, to, to answer your original question, he got it wrong. Yeah, he, and and he's allowed to get it wrong from time to time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, from time to time, from time to time, we'll let him off. Um, before we get into our next question, I don't want to spend too, too long on this bright thing. Um, I thought, yeah, I mean, ultimately, as, as time goes on, I am thinking, you know, it was... Yeah, we got away with it a bit. I thought Bissouma was good for them. Let's give them credit. I thought Bissouma was really good for them, their, their, their central midfielder. I thought Solly March was very good on the left. Um, I thought uh, at the back, Webster impressed me a lot. Um, Pascal Gross was, was my man of the match for them. I thought he kept things very neat and tidy for them. Uh, throughout the match uh, but uh, you know for us let's you know think about us let's go from the back to the front Alison Becker um, I don't know he, he sort of took a drink uh, from a from his water bottle uh, to, for two penalties and it seemed to it seemed to work for one of them Brian what did you what, what would you say about Alison's performance I uh, you know I, listen every time you mention that man's name I just think beard beard <laughs> face <laughs> I'm sorry that's all I can see he is, the, he is he is the man on the horse with with the you know he's slaying biblical creatures I just think he's too good for football I really do I think he's he's why is he even playing as a goalkeeper he should be I don't know he should be a marble statue somewhere <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I would look he's <laughs> he did nothing wrong he, you know he's Conceded a penalty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he, he played sweeper-keeper perfectly fine throughout the game. I think, yeah, he's, you know... The only thing I'd say about it, yeah, he remained... He, he continues to be very handsome. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, 
next on the list, Nico Williams at right back. He was pulled after 45 minutes. Uh, not his best performance, you could say, Brian? Oh, Nico. Listen. Oh, I have to hold myself back with Nico. Um, oh, look, I mean, people will disagree with me on this, and that's fine. I, I, I get it. But, look, I just think young players, I, I said it before, and I stand by this, uh, young players have six games. And and whilst technically you can never blame young players on anything because they're young players, the world doesn't work like that. The The reality of the world is nobody has time for progress <laughs> for you to kind of sort it out or to figure shit out whatever you've won the lottery you're in the you're in the shop window you've got this small window where um you know the 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 normal right back is injured and now you have to make the normal right back a second choice and um for me nico williams although he didn't have a bad well he never he didn't stink the place out but he just i don't know i don't trust him that's the that's the that's the one I I I'd boil it down to. I don't trust him the way I don't didn't trust Degsy. That's not to say I don't like Degsy and I didn't like him as a player. I did like him as a player. He's a great and as a guy, he's a great guy and all that. But I did never trusted him because he makes silly decisions. And I I'm just thinking to myself, what excuse do you have? You are in like possibly one of the best football setups in world football you've got one of the best if not the best manager of a generation and you've got statistical analysis you've got all of these guys like to analyzing the game to within an inch of your life and for me he just makes he just he just takes too many risks uh, he cuts back too many times he tries he tries a trick initially when he first came in the first two games i thought wow that's really cool. He's really cocky for a young player. That's that's amazing. That's that's really good. But then when he started to show up in the team often, I'm like, stop fucking doing that. Because <laughs> you're going to give the ball away. And that's when, you know, we're most likely con- to concede a goal. So I'm not happy when I see him in the team. I wish him all the best. I hope he succeeds and I hope he proves me wrong. But at the moment, he's not he's not endearing himself to myself. To, to me at the moment well okay yeah um okay but i mean he is only 19 but yes no i no i get what you're saying he had 26 passes in in, in that match i know he's 19 but he's a witch <laughs> well i i don't know I, I wouldn't go that far um but you know certainly maybe um i don't know give it give him a hug maybe the opposite you know give him a hug because you know he needs he's had a hell of a time on social media don't you know uh but uh no we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna be kind to him because i think he's a you know he's welsh Owen, can i ask you a question because like i understand what you're saying and i agree with what you're saying i consider myself a nice human being you know and apart from wishing him like burned alive because he's a witch yes because well, we don't know. We don't know for sure that he's not a witch. That's the problem. Okay. <laughs> so let's just find out. Uh, no, 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 joking aside. Um, look, I, I look. I think yeah. In an all, in a great, in an ideal world, you know, we should uh, we should give him more room to grow and and less. But we don't live in that ideal world, you know. And and social media is horrible, and people do get on people's back and. You know, when you're the top team in the world and you're trying to win everything, you don't have that room for uh, progression at the, on the big stage. No, but you have to. You have to, Brian. You have to. Here, you have to give them time because he's 19. And who's going to come and join Liverpool and know that they're going to play behind Trent and maybe not ever get a game because Trent's young i mean you know i don't think we can do much better than a you know a very decent trent was that guy trent played against uh behind um nathaniel klein yeah kleiny right and kleiny was a great player right you know know, wow no it's not the same thing no by the time trent was 18 klein was not the right player and klein was always very bad going forward and there were always weaknesses to his game whereas trent is quite possibly the best young right back talent uh, you know, since Danny Elvis. At the time, he wasn't. Uh, at the time, he was like an okay player in the on the twenty threes, and he was one of those like in in MMA or in fighting. You have this term where 
you've these gym players, like same with football, I suppose. You have these these training pitch players who are amazing on the training pitch, but as soon as they get onto the you know the big stage, they just die, you know. And I think Trent is one of those players who is a big stage player, you know. As soon as he got onto the big stage, like in the very first chance, the very, very first opportunity he got, he, he turned heads. He's like, wow, that 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 young kid, he's pretty good actually, you know. And it never it never subsided since then, you know. Obviously, he's a local lad, so people want him to do well, but he's never really given us that much of a a reason to say no drop that guy you know i don't know i mean I- yes but you can't you can't expect you cannot expect nico williams to be as good as trent this is what i'm saying trent came in trent is the exception to the rule it could be why i'm defending nico williams so uh, so 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 um vociferously it's because i think you know he's he's got a lot of talent you can see it um he's very very raw he's as raw as a steak tartar that they sell down the road with chips which i've never understood it's just like raw minced beef it's a, basically it's a burger but it's not cooked so you know i mean do you go to do you go to mcdonald's and say can i have a big mac but don't cook it you know of course um of course you don't but anyway nico williams is he is he is as raw as the steak tartar um but he will warm up with time and and you know practice and and trent uh, you know he will learn a lot from today because because that's what that's what he can he can do that's a positive he could take out of it and i just think you can't expect um you know there to be very little drop off between you know the greatest young right back in the world and the next best because i just think it's unrealistic who's who because you, you, you seem to be suggesting that we could sign someone brian to be better than nico williams i do get it i, I like i agree with you but i i think i suppose i have a cynical view that um that i completely 100 percent agree with you and i'm not what i'm saying is i'm not um i'm not uh, i'm not saying he is performing badly my my position is that if you're a young player and you want to break into one of the um, uh, top teams in the world, one of the kind of premium teams in world football, then you have to be exceptional. You you cannot be. Um, there's no room for growth as such, right? You 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 have to be just like like magical, you know. And it's like it's like it, ha- it has to be a freak almost. You're like wow, that's a, like Trent is a freak. That shouldn't have happened, yet it has happened. And he is the best right back or one of the best right backs in world football, right? But I think if you're a young player and you get a chance to play for Barcelona or Liverpool or Juventus or or, or whatever, because, you know, two of the, the starting right backs are injured, then really, if you want to keep that place, then you have to be magic. You have to be magical. You have to be exceptional. You cannot be a developing player because in re- in the real world, I mean, this is just my opinion, okay? Yeah, in the real world, yeah, you should be a developing player and everything should work like that. But at the top clubs, they don't have time for that. So you, you, you're you filling a gap. And, you know, if whilst you're filling that gap, you have four or five games to, to really, you know, catch your manager's attention and go... When that player gets fit again, and he is immeasurably better than you, you're going to have to give him a decision to make. And look, I want every young player to to succeed. I really do. I, I, I understand how difficult it is to make it in the world of football. In the fact that they are professional footballers in the first place is, is an absolute miracle. And and I you know I don't I, I understand how what they've gone through to get to that stage. But it's always it's always been my position, and I, I don't think anybody will change me on this. Then, if you get if you happen to find yourself as a youth player in a big club, and the world aligns just rightly, so two or three players get injured at the same time, and you're trusted up to the big stage under the lights, then you have to be Messi, you have to be Maradona, or well, not Messi, Maradona, but you know you have to turn heads. Can, like consistently over at the very least you have to put one performance in where you're man of the match and uh and look i understand the majority of people will disagree with me on this and we're like oh he's, he's a young guy and you know he's doing well and all that kind of stuff but i just think i watch i i predict you know 
he will um if his performance is stay the same and he doesn't change and it's still like you know good performance or okay performance in in how many players have we seen like Nico Williams over the years who have just disappeared off you know they just get sold and and they just they don't, they don't even play in the premiership they just disappear down the league and you don't see them and it's, I think football's a bit of a machine like that it just eats players up like that and you have you have only a very limited window to really make a mark that's true no it is true it is true uh, but uh, you know and I'm 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 not saying we shouldn't uh, say that he performed well of course he didn't but what I'm saying is that I I'm going to I'm going to keep the faith that he's not going to go the way of of David Raven and others and I wish David Raven all the very best of course um you know but it's just you know he he had one or two appearances and then he disappeared I think Nico Williams has got a bit more about him I've seen it when he plays for Wales and I think it's a matter of time before we see it um for Liverpool as well and I think especially this season we can afford to give him that time moving on Fabinho Nathaniel Phillips or Nate Phillips as Kloppo calls him or Nat Phillips as the rest of the world calls him um so Fabinho had uh, one key pass from center back very impressive 86.9% passing accuracy down of course from 97% that he had last week which is just absolutely crazy but 87% passing accuracy 87 sorry 86.9% was the the most in our team and you it's normally the center backs who get the most in our team whereas Nat Phillips uh, I'm going to call him Nate like Klopp why not this week Nate Phillips 80% passing accuracy uh, and you could tell that Brighton was sort of targeting him and not letting him settle at all and always had a runner 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 you know Connolly for all the chances that he missed he was really chasing down chasing down um, you know for the time that he was on the pitch uh, but Fabinho and Nat Phillips would you like to see it again as a partnership or should it be binned as soon as possible? What would you say, Brian? No, I'm, 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 I'm like uh, Fabinho is a world class centre back in my, in my opinion, and he's brilliant. And uh, I think he'll, that's his position. He'll end up there, and he was great. You know, I loved, I loved the sliding tackle at the beginning. You know, the first half, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, the, the, the guy knocked the ball on. Fabinho just stretched his leg out, cleared the ball, beautiful. And uh, oh, Nate, 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 Nate Phillips is. I mean, it's all. I mean. Again, it's like football is. I think there's a there's a there's a aspect of football where it's all about stories. It's all about narratives. And whereas uh, Nico's narrative is like, here's your chance, you know, take it. I think with Nate Phillips, it's like it's like uh, it's like a fairy tale. You know, he shouldn't be there right now, and yet he is there. And he had man of the match performance in his first game, and and he's um, you know. He, He's not the best defender in the world. He's not the worst defender in the world. And I, you know, he's okay. He's 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 doing a job. Like we're not expecting him to be Joe Gomez or Joel Matip. And he he hasn't read the line a couple of times. But I mean, he hasn't been absolute clangor yet. You know, I mean, he can't. He, he well, yeah. Well, I mean, he, yeah. Okay, okay. You if you want, to, he did he did he did push out, and. um and yeah, and, and and left a lot of space behind him for I think it was a, I don't know if it was a goal or a shot or whatever, but uh, but I mean he is what he is, right? You know, it's it's Nate Phillips. I mean, if you had told me last year that Nate Phillips would have been playing <laughs> in centre defence with, with Fabinho on the left, Fabinho on the left, and Nate Phillips is on the right, I'd be like, whatever, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, well, exactly, with with Nico at right back as well. But, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, I think that people need to people need to stop and think about that for a second. You know, that's the problem. One of the problems I have with modern football, and particularly modern fans, is that people don't stop and think about that for a second. They're so used to seeing Trent, Joe, or or Joel, uh, Verge, and Robbo, right? Best best back four in world football, and you know running like a well-oiled machine it's beautiful it's so beautiful you just take it for granted you don't even see what they do half the time and to go from that like literally the best back four in world football or the best back four in living memory memory to a player who should have been playing for wrexham um you know a, a kid who's just been promoted from the the under 23s and our our, our def- central uh, defensive midfielder 
and then Robbo, you know, and and to expect to to operate exactly like the best back four in world football, it's just not. It, I think it's it's uh, reasonable. No, I would agree. I would entirely agree. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean. It, I mentioned the defensive line before. I was making notes on it and sort of paying special attention to it. I don't normally pay that much attention to it, but it was pretty obvious. The uh, footballing culture, the difference in footballing culture between Fabinho and Nat Phillips. I mean, Nat Phillips, he did well. Four tackles, two interceptions and three clearances. Um, compared to Fabinho, two tackles, no interceptions and two clearances. But um, so st- statistically, of course, who scored gave him 7.5, sorry, gave Nate Phillips 7.5 out of 10 compared to Fabinho, who they gave 6.45 only. But as I say all the time, I don't trust who scored defensive statistics because they don't tell you the uh, real story of the defence, which is um, that Fabinho was playing almost like a very clever line, quite a high line, and Phillips was often a sort of championship, um, like 10 yards behind Fabinho, camped on the edge of the box, not knowing why Fabinho had had pushed up. And that's the thing that is a very deep-rooted problem in English football, is that Nathaniel Phillips is English, and nobody's ever... Nobody had ever coached him as a kid, probably, about, uh, you know, the the elegance of Samba-style uh, defensive lines. Uh, this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, instead of Mauro Silva, it's, um, you, you know, Gary Charles or whoever the, you know, a- a- 1980s England defenders were. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, Andy Robertson. I'm not going to talk about Robbo because I thought he was desperately unlucky to... To, to give away the penalty at the end, of course. But yes, you could say maybe it was a penalty. I'm not going to talk about him because he was absolutely superb. And he's been superb for ages. I'm going to move into the midfield. Uh, we get we had Minamino, Vineldum, Milner, basically, were there. And it was... Oh. Not, not great. <laughs> not great, Brian, yes. <laughs> You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, I don't know if you play chess, but I, I, I dabble a little bit in chess, right? And chess is a very honest game. <laughs> you don't get lucky in chess, right? You you, you you have your level. And if you, you could think you're a great chess player and whatever, and but you are what you are in chess, right? And football is like that as well. You know, we could, with the greatest will in the world, we could be thinking, oh, you know, these players should play like this, whatever. But these players are not the, they're not starting 11 players a lot of the time. And when we put them into our beautiful machine, our beautiful football machine that gives us so much pleasure every season and every game, they're just not capable of replacing you know, whoever is replacing, you know, and um, when you put uh, Minamino and uh, Genie and Millie, it's just saying those names out loud individually. You know, I like Mini. He's great. He's uh, he's not proven quite yet. You know, he's one of those fun players that we, we hope he's going to he's going to really, um, you know, uh, make his mark at Liverpool. But he hasn't quite done that yet. Um uh, well, Millie is just, you know, you can never question Millie. And uh, Genie, Genie's, you know, amazing, amazing player. But I think Genie's one of those players that he 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 needs good players beside him as well. At least, you know, I, 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 he, it's very rare. He, I mean, actually, I think many players can do this. It's not very rare that one good player can run a, a tree you know you, you, you'd need at least you need some cohesion there and that there was no cohesion um and I, and mini i think is just not he's too much of a drop off it's too much of a luxury at this stage i mean again he's you know he's had his option he had his he's had his chances i'm not saying he's he's crap or anything but like that but i just think um i think today he was found out a little bit i mean i had to i had to sit <laughs> beside my buddy just destroy him for 90 minutes. He was so unhappy with him. Every touch of the ball, everything, it was all about uh, tacky. 
But, you know, I mean, I think when you shuffle the deck that much, sometimes it just does not work. And it, and it hasn't worked. And it's not worked now for a couple of games, right? Yeah, I mean, it's only one win in the last four matches. I mean, we had, we had Man City 1-1 and then we beat Leicester and then lost to Atlanta and, and drew today. So it's not, you know, we're not looking... It's uh, it's not it's not sparkling from us, but you know entirely understandably, as you'd say. I mean, Minamino, he frustrated the life out of me as well. I have to say today, um, he had eighty-one percent passing accuracy, which is not bad at all. But it's just in general play, he, he had fifty-six touches of the ball, um, and he closed down. You could tell he was trying, but he just didn't seem to be like, uh, like. I suppose it's difficult in that position for him. You would think naturally he's he's more of a number ten, much further forward because he's got the the tricks and the skills in tight spaces. But apart from that, I thought he did he did he didn't do anything to help the team really uh, in terms of tackles. Like he had no tackles, no interceptions, no clearances, and his reading of the game. Uh, in terms of position-wise, wasn't great. I was also far from enamoured with Jorginho Vijnaldum's performance. He had only 40 touches in the entire match. Um, again, brilliant when he touched the ball, but only 40 times in the match when you compare to James Milner, who, despite going off in the 73rd minute, was supposed to be Jor- Jorginho Vijnaldum's partner in the centre of midfield, and he had 84 touches. So that's double what Genie had in 90 minutes. Uh, in just 73 minutes. But yeah, James Milner going off the field looks like um, he's twanged his hamstring. He's twanged a hammo. And he looked to be like unusually worryingly um, uh, upset when he went off. He he almost looked like he was in tears to me, Brian. Is this one that's going to be like a really serious hamstring injury? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, tend, to, I tend to agree with you. It's like... Um... It, he, um, you know, he he has this reputation where he he doesn't go down, and if he does go down, it, there, there is a problem. And you know, he was feeling the back of his hamstring. He went off. He did he look did look very forlorn uh, when he was sitting there. In 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 the respect that it looked like he might be out for a while. And I think more than any player he you know he's one of those senior players that just wants us to get over the line and he knows that the team needs him right because he's one of those few players that is a utility player and he's probably one of the best utility players in the world right now you know you can play so well in so many positions and for him to go out in this very busy time it's just an absolute disaster but again it's like i mean what can you do it's just it's one of those things, you know, until the fucking FA change, wake up and smell the coffee and, you know, have a real think about like early kickoffs and Champions League football and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Klopp's completely right. These players, I think a lot of people don't realize what it means to be a top level athlete, not any, not just a footballer, but anybody who's competing at a world class standard. It's like these guys are like, they're running at such pace for such periods of time, such intensity that, you know, if they don't have the proper, um, you know, recovery times and the proper rest times, the body's just not designed to take up that amount of pressure and they just break down and we're just seeing a left, right and center. And unfortunately we just seem to be the team that's just getting it in the neck right now. You know, everything that could go wrong, is going wrong we've had all the wrong decisions we've had all the wrong injuries we've had a couple of absolutely horrible injuries to our key players we've shuffled the deck so many times and i keep coming back to this point and yet through all of that through covid through injuries through this grueling schedule we're still top of the league so and still and not playing our best football either on top of all of that so you know, I'm philosophical about the whole thing. You know, I just, again, I just come back to the whole idea. I've resigned to the fact that this is going to be a dirty grind. We're going to just grind it out. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be nasty. It's going to, we're going to lose some games. We're going to play some shit football. Sometimes we're going to win when we shouldn't win. Sometimes we're going to lose when we should have won. But I don't care. As long as we get to the end and we win that second title in a row, it's all gravy. That's those luxury sandwiches talking again. I love it, Brian. A fantastic... Um, <laughs> uh, 
the next matches then let's just move on um Liverpool Ajax just my last questions really about are about the next matches um Liverpool Ajax Tuesday night um then Liverpool at home to Wolves then the week after is really crucial because we're playing Midtjylland and I think that that one Midtjylland that that's the one that will really seal our place in the next stage hopefully so Ajax Wolves Midtjylland then we got Fulham and then we've got Tottenham and that brings us up to the 16th of December so it's Ajax Wolves Midtjylland Fulham and Tottenham we've got no right back Milner's out um, God knows who we've got in midfield. Vinealdum's left. Who else is left? Curtis Jones. Um, who else have we got? We're going to have to start playing people like Leighton Clarkson, who I really rate from the youngsters, and uh, and and Jake Kane. Um, they're going to have to make a make an appearance soon, aren't they, Brian? I mean, can we keep winning? Are we still going to be anywhere near the top at the end of these these matches? Are we going to get through to the Champions League next round? Get the point that we need? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I think with the um... With uh, the league, anyway, um, we're not going to dominate the league the whole season. We're not going to be get to the number one and just stay there the whole season. We're going to drop down to six. We're going to move up to three. We're going to drop back down to five or what, whatever, right? Because it is what it is. You can, you know, we 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 are where we are, and we've got to, you know, as Klopp. That's one of the reasons that one of the things I really like about Klopp. He's, he, you know, he just we deal what we deal with, you know. It, sometimes we have bad performances and, and we have to deal with that. And then we learn from it and we move on. Sometimes we have, um, we have injuries um, and we can't change it. So no amount of complaining is going to actually magically make everybody come back on the pitch. It is what it is. And we have to find ways and solutions uh, around it. And I think if any team can do that, it's us. And look, if we win the, the league this season, it'll be even a bigger achievement than last year in my books because so much has gone against us. So many things have gone against us. And I think we can do it. So, um, you know, to to talk about those run of games, I mean, they're, they're a horrible run of games, to be honest with you, you know. Uh, but here's the thing. Liverpool expect to win every game, no matter what. Whether we're playing away or at home, we, we go into every game thinking, well, we're going to win this. We have to win this. That's our That's our DNA. Um, having said that, I think at the moment we we have to be a little bit pragmatic and we have to be a little bit realistic. The situation that we find ourselves in dictates that that's not that's not realistic sometimes, right? If we if you have, you know, Nico Williams at right back, and okay, I, I, I don't want to go because I think I've gotten too hard already. But let's say, um, you know, we have some uh, youth players coming into the middle pitch, then. You know, you just you just got to roll with the punches. You got to hope for the best. We may even get done over a couple of times, but uh, we have to be strategic and clever about this. And so, um, Ajax, you know, I think. Am I right in thinking if we get a point and Ajax, that's us pretty much qualified? Or yes, yes, yeah, okay. But it, and it's at home. It's at, it's at Anfield as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But they need to win, though, right? Don't they? Oh gosh, uh, I, I'm going to have a look for you. I think they no, they don't need to win, so they can they can get away with a point and then beat Atalanta on the last day and still go through. Okay, well look, I mean, I think if we could put a, a semi decent, a good team against uh, um, Ajax, then you know we can easily get a point. Okay, um, I mean the, the the team we put against Atlanta, it got found out. It wasn't a great team, and it performed as such. Um, I, I cannot see, I cannot see us going away to that that other team that I can never pronounce. So I'm not going to do it, uh, and not get at least a point because I think if we, even if we get a even if we lose our next game against Ajax and we get a point in the last game, does that, or even does that still put us through? Yes, I believe it will. Yeah, because we'll be on uh, ten points, and either Ajax or Atalanta will also be on ten points, but we can qualify because we would have a better record against one of them or you know so so i think a, a point would get us through although don't quote me on it but i'm i'm 99.9 percent sure so we're going through 
right? Let's be let, okay. Let's just put this to bed. We're going through. <laughs> well, this is the thing, Brian. No, this is the thing because because for me, we went too strong against Atalanta. But even though we put out we put out a weakened side, it wasn't as weak as I wanted. I would have put Joel Matip nowhere near that. I would have saved him for today. I would have, um, you know, as I was saying last week when I thought it was an away game. Uh, so what do I know? But, you know, against Ajax, I would do the same thing. I would absolutely play the reserves because we, we're not going to have any breaks. We have to be, we have to be um, a little bit clever to, to make breaks from, from nothing. So I play a reserve team against Ajax and then um, we, we go full out against Wolves and Midtjylland, and then we have almost another break against Fulham. Not a break with a with as bad a team as I would play against Ajax, but you know, because we've done so well, I would put put you know put all of the chips in the Midtjylland fruit machine. And that's not how Klopp gets. His, that's not how he does it. He he basically let's get it done as quickly as possible. Like <laughs> I, I think Devil's Advocate, like, he was like, let's get it done against this. Uh, get 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 us get it done up against Atlanta, and then we can play weaker teams against Ajax and 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 wherever you know why not why wait let's just get it done quickly. He just just win the next game. That's that's his philosophy, isn't it? Yes, exactly. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and it is hindsight talking in terms of like you know had we won that match, I would have said bravo to Kloppo for trying to win it and then doing it. But I just thought. Atalanta are a very strong side. We're, we're weak. We need to look after our best players. And I don't know if it was that, if it was worth, <clears throat> if it was worth the risk. But then it is hindsight talking. You're right. Uh, so what do I know? Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Anyway, Brian. I mean, I like the way you're staying optimistic. Um, I'm going to call the curry house to get some recipes uh, to put me in a similar frame of mind. And um, oh, it's called Guinness. Oh, it's, it's called Guinness as well. Wow, okay. Sounds exotic. Um, okay, but thank you so much, Brian. It's been a real pleasure, real pleasure and a treat talking to you as ever. Thank you for joining me. And uh, yeah, I feel much, much better, um, although still a little bit pissed off. Um, but uh, there you go. I'm about to watch Wales get hammered by England in the rugby as well. So there you go. Um, come the end of the night, I shall be stomping around, I don't know, looking for some Guinness. Um Come on, Wales. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. Uh, take care. Speak to you next time. Okay. Okay. Cheers.